rage came up inside of me. I'd never been like that. And I ran up behind her and I smacked her right between the shoulder blades. And she turned around and it wasn't my mother. <laughs> and I mean, I was mortified. She had the same slacks on, the same paisley uh. black blouse. That was a very amusing story from Focus on the Family President, Jim Daly, sharing one of the moments in his childhood where he learned a good lesson after making a bad choice. And we're going to hear more of Jim's heart and advice for parenting well, with love and true relationship being our goalpost. Welcome. This is Focus on the Family with your host, Graham Schnell. Graham, you were in the States a little while ago, and you had the privilege of interviewing Jim Daly while you were there. I'm sure it was strange for Jim to be the interviewee in his own studio. But you had a great conversation with Jim around the topic of his book, When Parenting Isn't Perfect. Well, I think it was a lot more strange for me, to be honest. Uh, but it was a great conversation and a real privilege to hear Jim on this topic that is so close to his heart. And I think it's a message that so many parents, and I think particularly moms, really yes. need to hear. Yeah. Well, let's go now and listen in to that pre-recorded message with you and Jim. As hard as you might try to be a good parent, parenting is a messy job. You don't get everything right. And your kids don't often turn out the way you envisioned, but that's okay. When we invite God's grace into the process, raising children can be one of the most rewarding experiences in life. Well, welcome to Focus on the Family. I'm Graham Schnell, along with Focus on the Family president in the U.S., Jim Daly, who's written a book called When Parenting Isn't Perfect. And just a little about Jim, uh, he started his career here at uh, Focus on the Family in the U.S. in 1989, uh, but he was later appointed to be the International Field Director for Africa, as well as Asia and Australia, uh, and then promoted to be Vice President of the International Division, which is when I first met Jim. Uh, and then he was named President of Focus on the Family in 2005 after 16 years of the ministry. So Jim, welcome to Focus on the Family Africa. Yeah, Graham, it's great to be with you. Well, when last did you make a trip to Africa? Well, I'm trying to remember. I've probably have made 30 trips to wow. South Africa specifically, and I can't even remember the last trip, but it's overdue. I need to get back. I think so. I think so. Well, what's, <laughs> what's your 30 trips? You've got to have a favorite South African food. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> oh, oh, no, good. there was a traditional. We went one time we brought the board of Focus US to South Africa, yeah. and we spent 10 days there, and we went all around the country. And we even went to a traditional um, village, yeah. and they made the greatest food. And I'd say that was the best meal I ever wow. had. Oh, well, a lot of potato a... and meat, and yeah. it was yummy. That's a good. That's a good answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, before we get into the content of what we really are here to talk about, I just I really want to appreciate you for your leadership of Focus as a global ministry, and I think that maybe because of your history and coming from not a perfect family of origin, <laughs> close. Um, you're real and you're authentic. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something about the way you've led Focus that even the brand, the way that Focus is represented, even the logo of Focus on the Family has this jagged edge, mm -hmm. which is there to, to say, actually, we're not perfect. We don't have it all together. And we're not here to tell you these are the 10 steps to having a perfect family. And we're here to put an arm around people and, and sometimes wipe away a tear uh, and say that uh, we're with you and we're not perfect. 
but we can point to the one who is and we can share some principles that will help. And so I just want to appreciate you for, for no, the way you've you. led. Thank you. That's very kind. And I think it is a, a great segue into the book that you've written, which is called When Parenting Isn't Perfect, which really should be always when parenting isn't perfect. <laughs> Somebody suggested, why'd you, they asked me, why'd you use the word when? When, take the when out. <laughs> thinking about it, they're right. Yeah. I mean, parenting isn't perfect. That's the bottom perfect. line. But why do you think that we put so much pressure on ourselves and our children to achieve this, what we know is unattainable perfection? Yeah, I, th I think there's um, poor reasons for those choices and good reasons. The poor mm. reasons in my mind are, you know, our parenting reflects us. Yeah. And the way our kids behave reflect upon us. Yeah. And that's probably the worst case scenario. Yeah. And so many of us, me included, fall into that trap uh, when your young child is having the temper tantrum at the grocery store <laughs> and wanting the candy bar. Yeah. I remember that time I was out of town and, and Jean called me from the parking lot of a, of a store saying, I just had the worst experience with our oldest, Trent. Yeah. He was probably four or five. This, you know, this is normal stuff. Yeah. yeah. But she told me, she said, he just went into a fit. Yeah. And a, a, a military man, a guy in a uniform, <laughs> came over and said, son, listen to your mother. And yeah. of course, he quieted down. <laughs> and I wish, you know, I would have known who that was. I could call him as a dad on a business trip far away and say, thank you for stepping in the gap. Yeah. But it was just one of those moments. And yeah. I think for Jean, as a normal mom... It just made her so embarrassed that yeah. her kid was out of control because yeah. that's normally not how he would act. Yeah. And that's the point. Yeah. And do you think that's a, I mean, it's so natural to, to want your kids to, to represent you well. Yeah. And, but is that a pride thing? Does that come down to I that? I think that is. And I think it's this idea that we're coming up short, that we're insufficient and no human being likes to be in that spot. I think on the positive side now, uh, when we feel something's not right. That's a good thing. Uh, hopefully sure. for those of us that are mature, more mature in the Lord, we know what proper behavior looks like. We want to teach our kids to be honest, truth tellers, and mm. have empathy for others and all those wonderful things. So we know the target as yeah. adults. And yeah. so we feel like we come up short there when our kids are lying or misbehaving. Yeah. But what we have to remember is... Um, it's a process. Yeah. You know, this is a sanctification process. So it's a good thing, mom and dad, that your kids have you as the parent because you know these things. You're older, more mature. But you're on the, the journey yourself. <laughs> but you're also on the journey. And the difficulty we have is we think of our, our kids as us. You know, yeah. we're yeah. Christians for 20, 30 years maybe. And sure. here these children are, and we're expecting them to behave just like we behave. Yeah. They need time to grow and to tr stumble and to you know, walk through some valleys with the Lord. And how do you think God's expectations of us as his children are different from our expectations as parents? I think the Lord knows us. I mean, he sent his son to die for us. That's sure. how well he knew we would not be able to fulfill. And he planned that <laughs> yeah, in he advance. Planned it. Here's the other thing someone once said to me that I, I think about often in my fathering, and that is the perfect father had imperfect children. Yeah. Think about that, Adam and Eve, yeah. you know, created, yeah. put in the garden, and they chose unwisely. Yeah. Um, so don't be surprised when your own children make unwise decisions. This is exactly what God felt as our father yeah. and still feels today. And so I think that parallel is really important. Um, how did God respond? Certainly with the boundaries. They were there. You're not going to be back in the garden. Life's not going to be easy for you. 
but also with that unconditional love. I'm going to lay my life down for you yeah. over over many centuries, obviously. And do you think part of the key in us extending grace to our kids is recognizing our identity as, as children of a loving father that is so gracious towards us? Yeah. Think of this picture for the listeners. Think of this picture in your mind. Uh, what is the type of parent you want to have as a child and you want to be as an adult? The parent that has the outstretched arms wide open for you in your point of despair, where you've blown it, you've yeah. done something that is so horrific, and that parent is wide open to you. Come, get, let me give you a hug. Or the parent that has their arms crossed, yeah. and they're shaking a finger at you, and they're condemning you and shaming you. Yeah. And that just isn't the model of the Lord. It's never there. It's always love. But you blew it. Yeah. What are you going to do now? And yeah. that's the kind of parenting model I try to live by. I don't yeah. always do it well. Nobody's going to do it perfectly. But be, be, be a parent that shows the love, especially in the valleys, where your child will always be able to trust in that love, yeah. even though they got it wrong. Yeah. And I think there's something in anticipating things are going to go wrong. I mean, that's part of that's just life's journey. Isn't yes. it? And, and, and recognizing <laughs> that that's going to be part of the journey. Be ready. And I think that's one of the greatest things is that we want perfection out of our kids and they're imperfect, like we're imperfect. Sinners yeah. give birth to sinners. <laughs> and I think remembering that in that moment is really critical. Even though you, again, might be more mature in the Lord, I think that's key. And then how do you model, how do you model the right attitude? I remember the first yeah. time that I apologized to Trent. Um, Trent was a great parent developer <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way of putting yeah, it's it it's true and he he did he's very analytical and even yeah. as a child very stubborn yeah. very strong-willed yeah. and i remember going into his bedroom and you know i had kind of unleashed verbally on him and he made me angry and it it, it wasn't right for him to do what he did but my reaction was over the top and i remember yeah. he went to bed and i'm steaming and I settled down, I went up there and I looked him in the eye. He was in the top the top bunk of the bunk bed. His yeah. little brother Troy was in the one below. So I'm looking him eyeball to eyeball. And I said, Trent, man, I just mishandled that and I should know better. I'm your dad. I'm older. I'm sorry mm. I responded to you like that. And he started to smile. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, why is he smiling? <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, I didn't know parents had to apologize. <laughs> And that was it. I mean, I just thought, wow, okay, a lesson learned. Yeah. And you're never too big to need yeah. to apologize. How do you get over that feeling of, of I've dropped the ball, I've failed here? Uh, because, I mean, I've had to apologize to my kids yeah. so many times. But there's always that feeling of I shouldn't have to do this. I should be the one that's modeling grace and, and not having to yeah. apologize for something like that. Well, I think first of all, you got to, like with your children, you got to realize you're imperfect as well. And you're on a journey of sanctification and learning from yeah. God. And you're going to learn a lot in parenting because uh, if you're <laughs> open to it. And I would yeah. say those things, those thought patterns are rooted in pride. Yeah. Uh, where you think I'm I'm old enough to know better. And that's a bit of pride too. That yeah. or, or for the person that's saying, why should I apologize? I'm the father. That child or the mother, that child should do what I say. Yeah. That's a very prideful uh, position, I think. And so um, the, the way to get through that is to realize you're broken, they're broken, and then how to model it better. And yeah. um, you know that's where humility comes in, being able to get eyeball to eyeball with your child. You know, another time with 
with Trent, I remember, um, you know, I disciplined him. He was disciplined more than Troy, but we weren't big on on spanking in, yeah. in that. We were more take away privileges, take away toys, those kinds of things, yeah. to try to get those points across. But we did, we did spank from time to time. And I remember one time, uh, you know, he had been disciplined, and I went into his room and I said, "How are you feeling?" And he wouldn't speak to me. He just shook his head, like in a no pattern. Yeah. I said, well, are you mad at me? And he shook his head, yes. And I said, can you not talk to me? And he shook his head, yes, I cannot <laughs> talk to you right now. And I said, well, let me, will you write down on a piece of paper, if I get a pad and pen for you, will you write it down? And he shook his head, yes. So I went out of the bedroom, got it, came back to the bedroom. I said, how do you feel? And he wrote down, I feel like you don't love me. <sighs> And I knew I had just missed it. Mm. So I said, oh, Trent, man, it's not about that at all. I love you no matter what you do. I'm just disappointed it went that direction. And, you know, you need to just do better in that area. I can't even remember what it is. Yeah. And that's the point. Boy, if you lose, if you lose that sense of love for your child, they know that. Yeah. Over something that all these years later, I can't even remember what it was. Yeah. Don't lose the main thing. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your honesty and vulnerability, and I think that's so necessary for us also as Christians, even just in modeling our journey and the fact that it is messy. And I think sometimes where people get it wrong, maybe Christians, maybe non-Christians, are projecting this perfection on the outside, mm. uh, but on the inside there's brokenness. Yeah, and I think the Christian community particularly, because we have a high uh, regard for rules, we want to obey what the Lord wants us to do. Yeah. I think we suffer a bit more than people that don't have that standard. Um, and I think it's unhealthy to a degree. It's not bad to have rules. Uh, don't mishear me in that way. Yeah. But it's the application of them. How do we help use those good boundaries to help shape our children's character? Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. What's yeah. the outcome? Yeah, yeah. And then recognizing, obviously, they have free will. That's something that God designed, <laughs> and he gave it that to That is us. a horrible thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's so true, and that's, yeah. again, where we've got to recognize, how can you teach a little lesson when your child is in, in a situation where they failed? Yeah. And um, when we lose our temper, when we get anxious about it, when we're upset, you're really not accomplishing the moment. Yeah. You know, where you can really teach your child something in a calm way. Say, what did you learn from that? Why did you do that? Why did you feel that would be the right thing to do? And I think asking questions of your children are really good. And it can start early, three, four years old. Yeah. You'll be surprised how accurately they can answer questions. Yeah. What are some of the fundamentals? What are some of the things, that the takeaways or practices that parents really need to be striving for? In, a, in amongst <laughs> recognizing it's never going to be perfect, what would you say are some of the, the keys? Well, you know, I, there's many, but when you look from a Christian perspective, you want uh, to raise a child who has empathy for those around them. And even uh, secular scientists are looking now, human development experts are talking about the power of empathy yeah. to being a well-rounded person. You know, it's amazing what we find in Scripture. Treat others the way you want to be treated. That is a biblical statement of social science, yeah. what, what the sciences are finding. It gives you a bit of compassion and empathy for other people. So I think one of the key tools is teaching your kids how to empathize with others and for yeah. others. So doing volunteer work, doing things that, that put your children in a position to see people who are less fortunate. 
um, I think is a really good thing. And, and I think, um, laughter is critical. My mom, you know, I was an orphan kid. I lost my mom at nine, Hmm. but those nine years she was able to get across to me as the youngest of five kids, the importance of laughing at life's troubles. And I think that ability to have humor in difficult situations is a critical coping mechanism that God gives us. I think we're made in the image of God. I think a sense of humor comes from God. I'm looking forward to hearing his belly laugh in heaven. But how to teach your kids to treat this life with a light touch. I mean, it's serious business. I know that eternal life and finding Christ and living for him, all very serious. But along the way, Hmm. I want to know his belly laugh, and I want to be able to have that kind of laughter with my children and with the friends I have around me. And doesn't it go to to the relationship aspect? I, I just think... There's nothing like building relationship than being able to laugh together. Yeah, it covers. My boys will tell you the best times they've ever had with me is when we're laughing in a, yeah. you know crazy ways where we have milk coming out our nose. Yeah. You know, we've <laughs> laughed so much that our bellies hurt. Those are the things that we remember from camping trips and other things that we've done. Yeah. And I love that. That's exactly what I want them to take away from their childhood experiences. You remember yeah. when we used to laugh with dad? Yeah. Yeah. Um, those are the things that are good. I don't want them to remember the time dad got angry at me yeah. and shouted at me. Uh, those things will happen. But if you ask for forgiveness in that context, I think they'll move on with you. And that's important. Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned empathy and you kind of said, do, do to others what you want them to do to you. And that scriptural principle. Golden uh, rule. The golden rule. I mean, is that something that, that you learned as a child or is that just being as a Christian, you've been able to apply that? You know, that, again, is one of the fascinating things with my mom. Uh, we were not Christians. She was a... Um, a non-attending former Catholic. Uh, and in that context, she just, you know, she she knew the right things, but she had a desire for us children to embrace these fundamental Christian things, like treat each other well, treat your neighbors well. And she communicated that to us. We yeah. had fish on Friday, <laughs> but we never went to church. We yeah. never participated. She accepted the Lord the day before she died. And I think that was really God's way of saying, you have trusted me in small things, and I, I want you with me for eternity. Yeah. That's God's grace right there. Yeah. But she just had this real knack to remind us of spiritual things, not being a deeply spiritual person, but having the right comment at the right time about being kind to others and remembering that that was a real critical uh, component of being a human being. And she had the relationship aspect because she was pouring that out. I remember one time at a grocery store, I was five, six years old. My mom, I was afraid of being lost in the store and she was looking at corn, checking corn, maize, right? Yeah. And I, I was afraid of being lost and I said, can I go get a toy? And of course, being a single parent mom, she said, yeah, she, you know would try to help in that way, and she probably spoiled me. But I remember going to the toy aisle of the store, and I got the thing I wanted, and I came back, and I had asked her not to move, to stay right there. And she said, I'll be right here. And as I'm walking back, I looked down an aisle, and there she was. She had moved, and this rage came up inside of me. I'd never been like that. And I ran up behind her, and I smacked her right between the shoulder blades. And she turned around, and it wasn't my mother. And I mean, I was mortified. She had the same slacks on, the same paisley Uh. black blouse. 
And I was like, oh my. And the woman looked at me because a five, six-year-old can put a thud between your shoulder blades. And she looked at me and said, who are you? Yeah. I said, I'm sorry. I thought you were my mother. And I remember she said, that poor woman. And I remember running back. And there my mom was with the, the corn oh, looking at, at the corn. And I went back crying. And she said, yeah. what happened? Yeah. I said, I hit a woman. I thought it was you. And she's like, what? <laughs> and she made me go apologize by yeah. myself to her she wouldn't go with me she said no you do this on you i was begging her please come with me no no this is you you did it you go apologize Mm -hmm. and she just stood at the end of the aisle Mm -hmm. and i had to walk up to that woman and say i was sorry Mm -hmm. those are good lessons yeah yeah just teaching responsibility Mm. you talk in your book about being the number one influence in the lives of your kids and i just thought that's that's so profound because we can forget that. Uh, and I think that somewhat can start to change as they get older, but really wanting to capitalize on the fact that actually, particularly when they're young, we have this power of influence over them. Number one, yeah. parents, uh, all the research indicates, you, you know, we're concerned about media, rightfully so. We're concerned about the influences of school. Under, uh, we get it. But all the research comes back that children will identify as their parents being the number one influence in their lives, even through teenagers, you know, up through the teen years. And um, I think that's a good thing. That's a biblical thing. That's the right thing. And I think the question we have to ask as parents is, can we maintain that because we're behaving appropriately or do we lose that because we've messed up and our kids don't trust us anymore? We're too shame. We shame them. We attack them emotionally or verbally. And I think, again, as a parent, that's, those are the things you need to be careful of. Do not shame your child. Um, God does not shame us. Yeah. He encourages us. He gives us a way out of our despair. And as a parent, we should follow our Heavenly Father's example. Mm-hmm. Loving and kind. Mm-hmm. Certainly firm. Don't weaken the principles. God would never weaken his principles. Mm-hmm. But he always shows us a way up. And yeah. we need to take that model as a parent. Mm-hmm. So to simplify it, when we recognize the messiness of parenthood, what is our ultimate goal? What is, let me put it this way. What is your <laughs> ultimate goal as a parent, Jim? Man, I, I thought about this <laughs> a lot. And the thing for me is you have to take the long view. And I would, let me speak to mom's heart. Because my wife, I've learned this observing my, my own wife and the mother of our children. Uh, I think women have an incredible capacity to be in the moment fully engaged and and they can lose perspective about the long run and so when you're looking at your 11 12 15 year old remember someday they're going to be 30 and they'll have a much more developed mature brain (laughs) at that age hopefully (laughs) so this is not the end of the world this moment this crisis this thing that they've done or several things that they've done help them to process it in a way that sets them up for success as adults know that the the long game is there and uh, you know it's the right stuff we want to build their character so they can be uh, close to the lord walk with the lord exemplify the lord draw people to christ uh, as a child and as an adult that's what we need to be aiming for and giving them every opportunity to, to have that full robust character that is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, goodness, mercy, kindness, self-control. Um, they're not always going to hit it. I don't hit it. Um, but that would be the goal. Yeah. What a compelling conversation with Jim Daly today. 
He's experienced so much in his life. But in his surrender to God and in his openness, vulnerability, and authenticity, God is using him powerfully. And Jim's book is called When Parenting Isn't Perfect. And he shares his own experiences, expertise, and an array of stories which will lead both moms and dads to a better understanding of what being a good family is all about as they embrace the messiness of parenthood and show grace to their own less-than-ideal children. Please log on to safamily.co.za to order, or you can call us on 031-716-3300. I hope you enjoyed this locally produced Focus on the Family broadcast. We've been airing some of our favorite local programs this month as a part of our celebration of 30 years of ministry in Africa this year. I'm so glad you could join us today. For Focus on the Family Africa, I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.